guys kind of, sort of, maybe like Bill and Tammy Woods. Yeah, me too. Where are they at? Are you guys here? That'd be sad if you guys weren't here. <laughs> That'd be really sad. Like, oh, sorry, they left. They went back home. Anyway, we just love you guys. And come on up. Come on up, guys. Bless you guys. Just thank you. We kind of love you too. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Well, I'm just going to introduce um, us because it's an us. Um, you know, the scripture says that when we get married, that we become one. And we know that conceptually. You know, we th- oh, yes, that's so sweet. We become one. But really, it's true. If I think about the work that God has raised up in, in, in Chiapas, I would have never been able to do it without my wife. Vice versa. <laughs> I mean, it's a team. Uh, and there are times that we even we preach together, and it's a, it's a compliment, even in the giftings. And I have to say, I am so proud to be married to this lady. Yes. She gives me a hard time when I need it. Um, she uh, teaches me. She shows me things that I can't see, those blind spots. We all have them, right? Mine's right here, yeah. I should be able to see it with all that reflection. <laughs> so what we want to do is um, just share with you as, uh, as one, okay? And so Tammy's going to share the first part, and then I'll share the last part. But we'd like to sure show you our, our short. No, it's in Spanish, I'm sorry. So just pray for discernment, okay? Yeah. Those who know it can yell really loud what it says. Ah, it doesn't mean anything. Don't worry about it. Okay. The Bills um, was working so hard to prepare this and to get it into English, and his computer just crashed. And so we were only able to get it in Spanish. But at least you'll be able to see what we're doing. And those that speak Spanish, Gloria a Dios, Hallelujah, Amen. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, there was a couple of things that I, I wanted to share with you that I saw while we were in worship. And um, one was... A story I heard years ago, and I'm not—I I can't really verify it. But um, do you remember when, when um, I think Jesus he said it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God than a camel to go through the eye of the needle? And I heard a teaching that that was actually a gate, and it was called the needle, and it was a very narrow gate. And so, for a camel to get through the gate, they had to unload the camel, and the camel had to go through without any burden. And that was the only way to get the camel through the gate. And then later they would pass the baggage or whatever, but they had to completely unload the camel. And so what I felt like was that the, the next stage um, as the church, as um, I think just it was seemed to be a very general thing, but the very next stage for those that are, are just crying out to God, um, ask, actually you asked me for something, and this is part of what the, I feel like the Lord said to give to you, was that there has to be a laying aside of everything that hinders. We have to let go of things that we've thought have been innocent or that we've just clung to, habits. Um, I felt the Lord really saying there are just things that are going to have to be laid aside for us to go into the next level. Um, that there's got to be a deeper consecration, a deeper purity. If we want to see the things that God has for us, that we're going to have to let things just let them go. The second thing he showed was kind of similar to that. I saw a rocket taking off, and as the rocket was taking off, you know how they begin to, as they, they get higher and higher, they begin to jettison the different parts of the rocket. Um, they use up the fuel on the, the first one, I guess, and they jettison it, and then the next one, and they jettison. And I felt like the Lord was, it was the same thing. There are going to be things that he's asking you to do over the next couple of months that you're going to have to jettison some things, um, maybe some habits that you've fallen on into. Maybe you've, um, you're just being too consumed by the television or, or by the computers or, um, but there's, there's things that are getting in the way of what you're crying out for. And you're crying out for a deeper walk. You're crying out for more power. You're asking Lord to show you deeper and more intimate things in his presence. But for that to happen, he is going to put his finger up on some things and he's going to say, this has to be jettisoned. We're going to get rid 
of this. It's in the way. More consecration. Lord, I am consecrated to you. I'm willing to let go of anything that hinders me. And I just wanted to give you that this morning or this afternoon or whenever we are, wherever we are, this evening. Buenas tardes. Um, and just encourage you in the Lord to let go when he's telling you, you're going to have to let go of this. And sometimes it's painful, isn't it, when the Lord is cutting things off and saying to get to the next place. And um, years ago, I, I was, Bill and I were leading a home group in Detroit, Michigan. And I was in just a really sweet place of worship. And I felt like the Lord was, he showed me a vision very clearly of a, a deer, a buck, that was at the base of a waterfall. And there were waterfalls falling into waterfalls. And the Lord at that point was calling me and he said, Tammy, um, daughter, I need you to come higher. It's time to to come higher. And I realized that, um, that to move higher, um, as well, that the waterfall was pure, the higher that the Lord was calling us up, that the pure that the waterfall was. And so I was receiving this from the Lord and I had my eyes closed and a brother came in late and I guess he caused some commotion at the door because when I opened my eyes, um, he turned around to sit down, and when he turned around to sit down, he had on a T-shirt, and the back of his T-shirt was the exact vision I had just seen. It was a little deer at the bottom of a waterfall, and there were about three tiers of waterfalls, and the Lord confirmed it. And then the next step, my job, um, I my boss came up, and I was uh, designing for, we were doing a... Uh, design for um, Disney World. It was I, I worked with a monogram and I designed in a computer. And this brother, well, he wasn't a brother, but my boss, he was just standing over me, and that was him. He was just nervous about this design work, and he was just right over me, but this is an important um, contract. And I remember I turned to him and I said, Joe, just leave me alone for a little bit. I can do this, but I need to concentrate. And, and, um, and so I, I needed to calm down for a minute and I took a walk and the Lord reminded me again, it's time to come up. And that's not the way you respond to your boss. You need to show honor. And so I walked back in I said, okay. And I hadn't sinned. I didn't feel like I had sinned at all, but I'm a representative of Jesus Christ. I am an ambassador. And so my conduct counts. And so I walked in and my, um, my coworker was there and we were working on those large embroidery machines and and she said, Tammy, you just need to imagine yourself right here. And she had a calendar. And um, when she put her finger there, she put her finger on a set of waterfalls that were falling right into the, to each other. And the Lord again was saying, the invitation, you have an invitation to move up. What you're doing is not sin, but there's a consecration. There's a, a, a cleaner, more pure way to live before me where you will s- receive more grace, more revelation. And so I feel again that there is an, there's, the Lord is extending an invitation to, to move into a, a cleaner lifestyle, a more, uh, a more consecrated consecrated lifestyle. So when you feel just that holy, that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you know what, this is okay for somebody, but this is not okay for you. You have to let go of this. If you want to move into this new area, you're going to have to let go. So I just give you that from, from when we were worshiping. As we were praying, um, I felt uh, praying about what to share. Um, I, is that the countdown? Where's the countdown? So I don't want to cross over this time. Okay, you're going to have... Okay, you're going to have to just... Hmm? Oh, okay. Um, is the video ready? That's good. And then we can put up a countdown. Done. Okay, the video's ready, I think. Yeah? Ay, señor. Um, the last part was our ranch. The Lord has blessed us. Um, as many of you know the testimony about how the Lord gave us a ranch. We've been standing in faith for years for this. Actually, we carried that vision for almost 30 years. And then the Lord gave us the ranch about seven years ago. Uh, we had no money um, to continue to do anything with it. And it's just been one testimony after another. Um, Howard's here tonight. And there was just the most amazing thing happened. Where are you, Howard? Oh, you're way back there. 
um, that um, through a series of events where we, somebody came, you know that where the lighthouse is? Our association in Mexico is called El Faro de Esperanza. And what had happened was um, over the years the Lord kept speaking to us that he was going to make us a beacon of hope for the fatherless and, and the people of Mexico. And so when we went down there, that was in our heart, the beacon of hope, a beacon of hope. And we couldn't translate lost and found into Spanish. So um, what happened is the government uh, was, you give them five names and then they pick the name of your uh, your nonprofit association. And so we gave them names and they picked El, uh, El Faro, which is the Lighthouse of Hope. And that's our association in Mexico. And so when we started building at the ranch, we had to build a water tower and we built the lighthouse. And so the lighthouse is an actual lighthouse and it's out in the middle of the mountains, which makes no sense to, any, to anybody, but they see it and they always say, oh yeah, where the lighthouse is, where the lighthouse is. Um, but that, that particular house, we didn't have any, um, uh, well, we, we didn't have the money to build on it. We had a dream, and we've, that's kind of the way we do everything. We never have money to do anything, but what happens is we take a step of faith, and when we take the step of faith, the Lord supplies. And on that particular piece of property, what happened is we kept passing that for a number of years, and I kept feeling like it was such, I just love the place, and there's a story with that, but eventually what happened is this area came up for sale, and Bill saw a little sign, and he stopped at a, uh, um, gas station and there was a little sign that said ranch for sale and we've been feeling like the Lord was going to give us a ranch and and so Bill got the number and we sent our spiritual son Jonathan Garcia out to check on it he's a part of our association and he came back and he said it's amazing it's just an amazing piece of property it has um, several streams that run through it it's a beaut- it's just in a beautiful uh, location and and so we said well go see what they want how much they want um uh, for it, and so he went and checked, and we knew that if we ever went, the price would probably double or triple. So we sent Jonathan as part of our association. He came back and he said, "Wow, this is exactly what you've been talking about." And so we prayed, and we had peace, and we called a few people, but we didn't tell them what we were, what exactly. We just said we have to make a decision, and would you pray for us to see if it's if it's a go or not? And so we called the church here, and the elders, and and everyone prayed here. They didn't know exactly what they were praying about, but they came back and they said, we just see. I think from here was pennies from heaven. That that uh, it was a green light, and there were pennies from heaven falling. And we called up and said, Howard, get the elders to pray and. See see what uh, what they feel we need to make a decision about something and he they came back with uh, uh, the same thing that we were going to pay cash for something well Bill and I had probably about ten dollars and there was this ranch is um hundred and the first part was 106 acres it's about 200 acres now but um and so we said okay Jonathan go back and tell him we're going to pay cash and and so Jonathan went back, and the guy lowered the price. If we would pay cash for it, he lowered it down. And and so, oh, Jonathan didn't know we had it. So he came back and he said, "Yeah, yeah, they're um, they're going to lower it down." And and um, and he said, "When are we going to pay for it? Or when can we do this?" And I said, "Well, we, Bill and I prayed about it. We said we're going to pay for it in a month." We'll just come pay for this for in a month. And I don't remember how much it finally, $80,000 or something. And it came down to that. And so, but we couldn't go see it. We couldn't, Bill and I couldn't walk on it or anything because we knew the price would double and triple on it. And, and so he went back and we, they drew up the paperwork and said, okay, we're paying for this thing for a month. And there was no money to do this. And so we, we, man, Bill and I were hitting the floor. We were praying and crying out to the Lord. And we just knew that it was the Lord. We knew that it was Lord. And in about a um, week or so before, all of a sudden, the heavens opened. And it came from all different directions. I, I One was a tithe from a church up in uh, Detroit, Michigan. They sold a church building and felt they needed to give all their uh, money their, or to make a tithe off of the, what they made on their building to missionaries. Um, the Lord uh, blessed us through this church without you guys even knowing what we were doing. Um, there were about four or five different locations. And on the day we said we were going to pay cash, we walked in and we paid cash for that ranch. And that's the first day that Bill and I walked on it. And so... Um, 
so we got out there and that was the the guy saw us and he was mad that there were gringos involved and and actually we're mexican citizens so we're not even gringos anymore and so we uh we walked out there and and bill and i that was we walked up on a little hill and we got on our knees before the lord and we said we've dedicated this place for your glory to see god a place raised up for children and we had didn't have a penny to put a fence up but we had the land and so we walked on it and i remember telling one of our our board members down there i said you know the cool thing about this is we're pretty creative all of the the people that are on our board that we get to do something beautiful I have this feeling God is going to just let us do something amazingly beautiful. And um, then we somebody came and they wanted to help us get a, a, par, a partial house up. And then they never came back to finish it. So it just sat there for about a year and a half. And um, so what happened was one day the children and I, we walked out there. And um, I was they kept saying, one day I'm going to sit on this porch and drink coffee and just be able to worship the Lord and read my Bible. And there was just nothing there, not even, I mean, we didn't have bathrooms or any running water, electricity, anything out there. And so, but we had this kind of a partial structure started. And, and so the children, we all started walking around backwards and, um, we just were marching like this and we marched seven times backward around this building. And then I said, shout. And the kids started shouting and shouting and shouting. And I said, shout that the walls go up and not that the walls come down. And so the kids were shouting because we had done this in reverse. We were doing the whole thing backwards. And so we were pulling those walls up. And, um, and so it was about a month later, um, Howard was doing a, a, some kind of a deal with some people and he was trying to minister to this Jewish man and through this, this, um, the ministry with the Jewish man at the end of this time, the Jewish man didn't receive Christ, but we're in faith for him. Um, and what happened, the guy said he wanted to, um, to give an offering to charity and that and it was split up between Howard and his brothers and um, his family there and they got to choose a charity and Howard loves us <laughs> and um we're not giving you credit we're giving it to the Lord Howard but we sure do love you and um and so Howard said to this man he said well we have friends down in Mexico and they're raising up a, a work down there and so this Jewish man that was not even a believer he made an, an amazing donation to us and that house went up <laughs> the walls went up um, there was so much of the infrastructure we were able to complete at that time everything that we have going right now we have um, one, two, three, four properties in different areas. Um, and the Lord has done an amazing thing, everything by faith without telling anybody, without saying to them, we need this, or can you give us this or whatever? But we had really good discipleship. We had great discipleship and, and learning to walk in faith. And when you, when you take those kind of, uh, steps of faith, then what happens is, um, then you know that it's God because nobody could have done this except God. And the other day, our, our ranch manager, he, we had asked him to do an inventory at the ranch and, and just to let us kind of know where we were on different things. And so he came to the house and he had uh, this whole thing set out and he said, well, you have, you're responsible for 450 animals. Was that something like that? And, and that doesn't count all our kids. And the rabbits, and the rabbits, because we might be responsible for about a thousand right now. But the Lord brought in um, beef cattle and dairy cattle, and we've got a, a beautiful uh, barn with uh, for our chickens and rabbits, and we planted over a thousand something uh, fruit trees. Um, we've got pineapples growing out there. We just tried that, and it started working. Our pineapples. Um, the Lord keeps giving us ideas and things to do. Um, we have. We're growing worms. I, I try to talk. Becky's going to come and help me with that. And um, <clears throat> and it's to help our land. We're, we've got a bunch of different projects in the works. And um, we just had another big miracle where a man is donating and helping us to get started uh, with beehives. And we've got 30 committed to set up beehives there for honey. And 
um, the Lord is helping us because all of these things sustain um, our work and sustain the, for the children our meat and our uh, eggs and um, cheese and milk and all kinds of things are now coming from the ranch. And then some of you know this, but uh, last year we were um, we have we have our our main area down in Arriaga. That's where our church is, and um, the Lord has blessed our church. And uh, we've we've pretty much filled up our building. And the Lord made a way for us a couple of years ago to buy two acres. Is that right? Two acres in town. How many acres? Is it two? Two? And we're currently building in, and it's not a huge place, uh, but we're currently building now, and the auditorium will seat about 600 with the ability to take out a wall later for seating for a thousand. We have big faith. We have big faith. Um, but the Lord is moving in our church in Arriaga, and so many families have been restored, and, and amazing things happening. We're seeing the, manifest, the manifestation of the Lord in power with healing, and just uh, uh, it's just hard to explain. I mean, we, we get into places of worship, and our services will go hours and hours and hours and um but it that started and then the ranch started and and then last year we had been helping um a clinic uh for a couple of years where they were having it was a um kind of an eye clinic that a, a man had started when he was 70 years old and he uh, became a missionary at 70 and, and sunk all of his savings into raising up an eye clinic in Chiapas and he they brought in doctors from the United States that did cataract and um, also cornea transplants there was a, a lot of stuff happening in this little clinic and Bill and I would go up and translate and help them prepare patients for these campaigns and what happened at the end of um, this man he's 90 now and he would probably still be going but he got cancer and so what happened was last year they called us or a year and a half ago they called us and they said um, we want to donate our ministry to lost and found we want to donate our property which is 12 and a half acres um, it has five houses a dormitory a school uh, we have a beautiful chapel um, that doesn't count the outside dormitories and in the clinic, there's a clinic, and, and um, the kitchens. I'm just, I was thrilled. The kitchens. We ended up with all these amazing stoves. Some of you have visited us um, and came and helped us landscape. And um, and so the, this place was five, about ten minutes from ten minutes from the ranch, right? And so uh, we were able to move our whole family up there last year. We've just celebrated a year and a half. Um, at this place, it was much better for our children. They can ride bikes. There's a lot more room for them, a lot healthier for them. We have a school. We took everybody out of school about four years ago and started homeschooling. And so we have 32 children now. And oh, glory a Dios. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, most all of, well, almost all of our children have been um, sexually or physically abused, abandoned, and um, have just gone through tremendous um, um, trauma. And the Lord has just doing, again, an amazing work. We just, seven of our, our staff and our children, our orphan children, just got back from Brazil. They went with Randy Clark and Bill Johnson to um, the youth invasion in Brazil. There's an, uh, also a, a really cool thing happening in Brazil. There's a um, revival happening. We sent our kids, and they started moving and healing and words of knowledge. They came home, laid hands on all of our kids, and it just exploded. Our whole family just exploded with the power of God. And we're raising up children that are discipled and that love Jesus. And um, we've got a few that we're working through some problems, and that's the, the word I want to give you right, right quick because I've got two minutes, I think. I'm third. Okay, one minute. Okay, fifty-nine, fifty-eight, fifty-seven. Okay, is this love is messy? Love is so messy. You know, it takes a lot of courage to love and and to really do it. We, um, 
you know, loving people, you get hurt, um, you get disillusioned, you get disappointed, you love people and they betray you, you love people and um, they, well, you know, you get, you have a few knives sticking out your back as you're trying to walk. Um, it, it's hard to lay down your life for people and they don't always appreciate what you're doing. And years ago in Romania, I remember um, we had gone through a scarlet fever epidemic and um, and we were tired. It was like six or eight weeks. We were, um, they, they secluded, what is it called? Quarantined the orphanage. We thought we were going to lose kids. Bill and I were up um, just day and night with kids that were so sick. And um, we didn't get a lot of help from local government. And a doctor came in trying to help us. Well, not even trying to help us. We paid her. And um, and she was very arrogant. And I was trying to speak Romanian to her. And I messed up. In Romanian, also in Spanish, there's a, there's a um, what do you call it? A proper formal way of speaking to people and you have to when you know somebody then you can go to the informal way but you have to know them and the same thing in Romanian and I was trying to speak to her and I slipped up and I used the the informal way which she took as an insult and she was going to walk out the door and I I was trying to say I didn't mean that I I respect you please don't leave we have to give penicillin shots to 50 kids and and she just marched out and here we were, we were so tired, and Bill and I, we uh, had to take somebody the bus um, to the train station, and it was snowing, and, um, and we got to the train station, Bill went inside, and, and what happened was a group of gypsy boys got around the car. And I had, well, first I'd accidentally, a man came up the car and, had, and, and started telling me, what are you doing here? And I said, well, we're bringing help. And he said, we don't need your help here. And man, we'd just been laying down our life for a number of years there. And, and he, and I said, well, we bring help to kids and the kids. And he said, well, um, we don't, we don't want your help for our kids. And we said, well, your, your kids are dying here. And, and he went and he said, well, my, my God was Ceausescu. And I said, well, your God is dead. And my God is alive. His name is Jesus Christ. And he kind of, he kind of, you know, got quiet. But then what happened was, um, this group of gypsy boys got around the car and they started shaking the car and demanding that I give them something. And, um, in that moment, um, I, it was scary. They were the police walked by, and I tried to get help from the police. And as the police, um, he laughed at me and kept on going. And and finally, Bill came out and he chased the boys off. And he got in the car. And I remember, I got home and I was just, I was praying and I said, God, get me out of this place. I I don't want to serve here any longer. No one appreciates anything. We have been laying down our life for a number of years here. It's difficult. It's cold. Um, there were very little supplies. And, 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 Lord, nobody appreciates anything. And as quietly, just this voice, he said, but I do. I do. And you see, you got to get that in your heart. People are going to betray you. And you're going to love on people. We love on kids constantly. Um, I, we just got a call yesterday, and two of our kids have just messed up big time. And we're so disappointed. We're so hurt um, by, by some of the things that they've done. And we were just, yesterday, we were just walking around and, and just trying to find a place of peace and standing in faith. Love is messy. If you're going to love somebody or help somebody, let me tell you right now, you're going to get hurt. You're going to be so disappointed. You're going to be betrayed just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. And you see, there's a price with love. There's a price and a sacrifice. If you're going to help somebody, they may never say thank you. They may never appreciate anything that you've done. You may sacrifice. You may lay down your life. And they may never look you in the face and say, I recognize what you've done for me. But we serve God. We serve a living God. 
And I was, I was praying today and I was reading about how David, you know, when he, he, he made the mistake of taking the senses and the plague was poured out upon the people and, and he finally came to the threshing floor of this man and, and, and at the, fle- the threshing floor, the angel was stayed from, from continuing to slaughter the people. And at that place, David said, I'm going to give a sacrifice. And the, the man there, the owner, he said, I'll give you oxen. I'll give you the threshing floor. I'll give you this piece of land. I'll donate it to you. And David said something so important. He said, I will pay for it because I will only give God a sacrifice. And that's what we've got to come to. It's about sacrifice. It's about living a life that is worthy. Living a life that is, that is worthy of the price that was paid. It's about laying down things that don't matter anymore and realizing again, this is the only life you get. It is the only chance you get to glorify the Son of God after what He has done, the price that He has paid. We love because He first loved us. We do not love to get the credit or the glory or appreciation. We do not love to see even the people change. We love because Christ loved us. And it is not easy and it is not for cowards. It is not for cowards. To love like Jesus Christ is to say, I will be vulnerable. I will allow you to hurt me and hurt me and hurt me. And I will stay on task. I will continue to serve. I will continue to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. I will take up my cross and I will follow him. I will follow him and I will walk with him in purity. I will walk with him in consecration and whatever he asks of me, I will do. And I will stay on task even when it's painful, even when I don't know what's going on, even when it looks like that what I'm doing is a failure. If he put me on the task, my job is to stay on task. My job is to love. My job is to love. My job is to love as Christ loved me. And it is not for cowards. It's messy. I mean, if you want to legislate it, if you want to uh, uh, say this is, you know, I have a, we have Pia, our German missionary, and she loves things that are in order. And I mean, she came to the wrong ministry. And I tell her that all the time. I said, we can either live in the vine and let the vine grow and produce, or we can legislate the Holy Spirit right out of this thing. It's messy because we don't always know where we're going and we don't have a 10-year plan. I mean, I can't even get a plan from tomorrow. Most of the the time, the kids or in the rabbits and everybody, nobody follows a plan. And so we walk by faith and not by sight, not by emotion and not by feeling. We walk in love because if you get to it at the end of the day and you have not love, you don't have anything. You've just blown it. And so my prayer is, God, consume me. Consume me in love. Help me, God. In the moment that I want to quit, which is pretty often, God, in that moment, to remember, I love because you first love me. Amen. So then the question is, what are you going to do about it? You've heard it. You agree with it, you applaud it, but what are you going to do about it? Are you passive? Are you active? Are you a participant or are you a spectator? What are you going to do? We've created an environment where you can sit on your tukas, be comfortable in the air conditioner, have nice meals, agree with the sermons, go home and live your life. And that's enough. You're happy, you're conforming to what everyone else is conforming to. So what are you going to do about it? Take action. What are you going to Are you a participant? 
What are you participating in? You know, the command was to go. And I remember Keith Green said, if he, doesn't, if he didn't tell you to stay, he already told you to go. If you don't have permission to stay, then the orders are out there. Oh, yes, but, you know, we don't all have to go to the mission field to, be, to go. Well, I just have to tell you, if you start with that argument, you already don't want to go anywhere. You're already making excuses for not moving. Don't start with an excuse. Just say, God, I'm here. I hear you. You said go. If it's a treasure hunt, that's a really good step. Go. Why does he give us gifts of the Spirit? To make us feel all warm and fuzzy? So we can have goosebumps? Why does he do that? Why do we get the gifts of the Spirit besides edifying the body? It's to go. It's to reach the lost. Do you know it's the easiest thing to do to reach a lost person when they're healed? Go to a sick person. Get them healed. Man, they'll listen to you. They'll listen. Give them a word of knowledge about something you knew nothing about. And they'll say, how did you know that? And it's going to cost you. You're going to have to stick your neck out there. You're going to have to take a risk. You know, living by faith is taking a risk. It ain't easy. I tell you what, when we made that commitment to buy that land, it was not easy. But we knew it was right. We knew that it was God. You remember when Jesus went across the water to, to, to deliver the Gadarean demoniac? Well, he was in a storm. So my thought is this. It's such a great picture. They had to pass through a storm to get to a place to deliver one man. One man. Jesus went carrying all of his disciples through the storm, through the, the difficulties, to get to an island that nobody wanted them to be at because when he healed the guy, they wanted to kick him off. And the guy says to him, I'm, he, he's so excited now. He's been healed. He's wearing clothes for the first time. Wow. I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no, go. Go and tell them what's happened to you. He didn't say, no, you need to go to three years of Bible school. You need to get your theological degree. You need to attend discipleship classes. No, he said, go. Go and tell them what happened to you. You are the gospel. They're going to see it in you. They're going to say, wow, I remember that crazy loon. Are you that same guy? I mean, it really throws the whole idea of, of, of hyper-preparation out the window. You know? Because, okay, I'm willing to go. But I, I want to be prepared. Well, that's wonderful. It's good to be prepared. But we have some people that have been prepared for 20 years. They have heads like this and bodies like this and they can't walk. <laughs> because they've never done anything with what they know. They're all blah, blah, blah. And it's wonderful. Information makes you feel wonderful. You know? You can preach sermons out the wazoo. But if you can't walk it, why do you have it? So yeah, get equipped. Get equipped to go. Get equipped to give. Get equipped to serve. But go. Just do it, please. Put it in action. Quit being passive. Quit waiting for someone to come with a word of knowledge and say, the Lord says go. He already said go. Hello. Arthur Blessed, the guy that used to carry the cross around the world back in the hippie days. I remember listening to a sermon by him. He said, you know, if the Lord has called you, quit making excuses. He said, I, heard, I hear people say, the Lord send me to, to Africa. Oh, but Lord, I don't have money for an airplane. Okay, well, don't take an airplane. Get on a boat. Well, Lord, I don't have money for a boat. Okay, well, don't get on a boat. Well, get a car and, and get to the ocean and find a way to get over it. Well, Lord, I can't, I can't get money for a car. I said, well, okay, get a bike. If you can't get a bike, just fall in the direction of the call. But do something. Take action. Be a participant in this. It's funny to watch people. I, you know, this is not biblical. Excuse me. I don't want to hurt your feelings. This is not biblical to have somebody standing up here week after week after week spoon feeding you to prepare you to live the Christian life. 
And you know what? Even after all those spoon feedings, you still whine like a baby. Jesus, I don't know why. I know not everybody. Sorry. The church is meant to be a place of, 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 of going or receiving and going. He says he gave us, in Ephesians, it says, there are five, the fivefold ministry. You know about them. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? But you remember it, their, their, their job? What is their job? The equipping of the... And who are you? And for the work of the what? Uh-huh. And so you've already got a ministry. So what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Please, I really want you to take action. I want you to take action. This is a supernatural thing that we have here. This is not natural. I mean, if, if we were doing this, and it's happened, that we do it in the flesh, it's just stupid. I mean, think about the way we live. This is just stupid to the world. What are you, a couple of morons? You don't have retirement. What are you going to do when you get old? <laughs> I don't know. What are you going to do? Forget that I was there. Do you know what an iPad is? Diaper for grown-ups. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, it depends. iPad, sounds like something monstrous. <laughs> I mean, in, in, the, in the natural, what we're doing is just stupid. Sometimes it feels pretty stupid anyway. I mean, but we know that we're walking in, in the supernatural. Why don't people go? I think the biggest deterrent for people not going is fear. Fear. What would it be like to live one day, one day without fear? Now you might say, well, I don't have any fear. I feel pretty good about it. Okay. What about fear of failure? What about fear of rejection? What about fear of making a mistake? What about fear of not hearing God? What about a fear of not having money? I mean, there is a list of fears that cause us to freeze and not go forward. And the scripture is really clear. Let me see if I can find it. Amen. First John 4, 18 and 19 says this. There is no fear in love. Can you say that? There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out all fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. It's all about that. If you go in your flesh and you don't go in his love, then you're just pushing through the fear and hoping you'll make make a dent in whatever you're doing. No, I think there's a right way to go. I do believe that. I don't think you should just jump out there. I think there's a divine order in being moved by God and confirmation. I believe that. That's what we walk. That's what we believe. But there's no excuse For year after year, sitting in the same place, knowing that so many years ago, God called you, placed that thing in you that pulls on you every time you hear about it, but because you're afraid, you don't go. And that's because you don't understand how much he loves you. When I was in in a conference in February in Morelos, I was talking about the love of God. Hey, you turned off the clock. What happened? Oh, well, it's okay. I won't. I said to them, I know how Peter walked on water. I really do. I finally saw it. Have you seen those big balls? They're, they're big inflatable balls. You can actually unzip them, climb inside them, close them up, and walk on water. Have you seen those? That's how he walked on water. I believe that. But the bubble he was in was love. He was in a love bubble. He was so encased in his confidence in that man's love for him that he could just walk in that love bubble. And see, when you have that encounter with God, 
When you really understand how much, how much, how all-consuming he loves us, which sounds sometimes trite because we've heard it so much, it doesn't change the fact that he loves us so much. And if we can get in that place, I said when I first got born, when I first had an encounter with the love of God when I was 16 years old, I was stupid in love with Jesus. I was in high school. Can you imagine? I was in love with Jesus in high school, and I was wearing one-way shirts, you know, and I had a Bible in my hand. I mean, talk about getting tormented. I mean, they're cruel in high school. But you know what? I didn't feel it. I really didn't feel it because all I could remember is how much he loved me. The first thing I would wake up in the morning, I could feel his love for me. It changed the way I looked through the Bible, looked at the Bible because I was looking through the bubble of how much he loved me. I would read those scriptures and I'd be in science class in the high school and I'd be crying. <laughs> oh yes, theory of relativity. <clears throat> but I, what I was experiencing was that, that personal, that intimate expression of God to me through that bubble. And I want to tell you, there is a place, and some of you have experienced it, and some of you have lost it. He says in Revelation, I have one thing against you, you've lost that first love. He didn't say there's a second or a third or a fourth. You've lost the most important, the only one, and that's with me. And I tell you, if we're going to go, that's how we have to go. Because the only thing that's going to stand up against the kind of stuff that my wife was talking about is being comforted in, in his arms, in that bubble. Because I was telling uh, CJ today, when, when you're in that bubble and, and the other person's in that bubble, you're just bubble bumping. You know, you walk up to the person and boom, what did you run into? You didn't run into his flesh, you just ran into love. It's a whole different experience. Well, <clears throat> now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a practical person. And I... Um, I want to end this thing in a practical way, in a super practical way, supernatural practical way. Um, some really cool things have been happening in, in our church in Arriaga. Some really unexpected things, some things that I never planned, my wife never planned, but God really had a plan. Uh, about two years ago in November, I had been reading about impartation of gifts, and I grew up in the Assemblies of God, and I had never been taught that, and I never understood it, but after listening to a teaching, I was really excited about it, so one Sunday morning in November, two years ago, I stood up and I shared a short message on impartation, without my wife knowing about it, I said, Tam, would you mind helping me, and I told the people, I know that my wife and I have certain gifts, and we would like to pray a prayer of impartation over you, they're like, okay, but there was only a, like a one row of people that had come forward. And that was kind of cool. We, I said, you're just going to pass by. We're going to put our hands on you. We're going to just bless you. And we're going to impart whatever the Lord wants to impart. Well, the first two or three, it was like it got cranking. We normally get out of church at 1 o'clock. We got done at 4. Literally, it was, God visited. It was like the roof was taken off of the building. Things These people have never been taught that stuff. We don't teach people about falling down. We've never pro or con, you know. But literally, God came. It was amazing. I remember looking over at my wife one time, and she was kind of like barely holding up, you know. And so she has these ladies that help her, you know, her, what are they called? The name of the, that group, the ladies? Yeah, well, there's a Mexican name they have for her. But anyway, so they all were going to kind of help her at once. And when they put their hands on her, it was a literal explosion. It was hilarious. I was praying for somebody. I looked over them. It was like a flower blooming. And my wife was still standing. People began to prophesy that had never prophesied before. People began to pray for people to be healed, and they were healed. We got deliverances. It was awesome. People got saved. We have people in our church that, you remember when God came on that November? Yeah, I want that again. Then just recently, we were worshiping, and 
And uh, we just, sometimes we'll just play like two or three chords so that people can, it's not too complicated, they can all sing in the spirit, you know? And so we just started sp- singing in spirit, worshiping. And clearly in my, my mind's eye, I could see angels walking in and surrounding the outside of the building, just like a guard. And then all of a sudden, I could see water running in through the building, down the aisles, and begin to fill up towards the ankles. Well, I thought it was just me. I was going to keep it to myself. But worship began to get really cool. I mean, it got really exciting. And people were, I mean, there was a lady back in the back of the building, and nobody was around her, and she was standing, and she would right over the chairs. You know, normally if you're in the flesh, you're going to make sure somebody's hanging out there to kind of catch you. So I have to believe it was God knocked her down. And I said to the people, I said, this is what I see. And one of the girls over this way, she goes, I saw the same thing. And then she kind of saw, she said, and I saw certain people that, that the water was going around them, that they didn't want to get in. They just wanted to watch. Three Sundays in a row, three Sundays in a row, it was so dynamic. The second Sunday, we saw water, but it came up to the knees. And the the power and the presence of God was fantastic. The third time, it came up almost to the waist. And that was the last Sunday we experienced it. I don't know what God was doing, but I want it. I want it. I want more of it. And and I I want to invite you. I I think... That we can impart to you. And I think there are brothers. I think there are missionaries here. Stanleys. I know that there are others. They, they, they can impart to you. What God's put in them. I rem- Do you know who Lester Summerall is? Do you ever remember Lester Summerall? Well, Tammy and I lived in Detroit over 20 years ago. And I remember one night. The Lord spoke to me. And he said, I want you to go to South Bend. That's where Lester Summerall's church was. And I want you to. Let Lester pray for you and impart to you what I've put in him. And for me, I what? That's kind of weird. But I, okay. Tammy was visiting her mom. So I took off four hours, drove on one Sunday. He normally wasn't there because he was so busy, but he was there. A little short guy. He was by 80 by then. Church was over. I was going to go up. I, I almost copped out. I was chicken. But then I finally went up there, and I got right up to him. Well, no, he had to climb up two steps to look at me. And he said, he had a real gruff voice, and he said, Yes, son, what can I do for you? And I said, Brother Lester, I want you to impart to me what God has imparted to you. Well, that's great. And so he starts pushing, good old Pentecostal. Lord, I can't remember what he was praying over me. He was pushing, my head was craning, and I was pushing. I was going, oh, whatever, Lord, just give it to me, give it to me. Finally, I couldn't stand any longer because he was pushing so hard. (laughs) Boom, courtesy fall. I did. I went down and I was laying there. I said, okay, Lord, I don't know what just happened, but I receive it. But you know what? I believe that God did something. I believe that I received something that to this day is helping me. Even in terms of deliverance down in, in, in Chiapas. And so what I want to do tonight, you know, this is for, for some of you, you can go home and if you don't want to participate, it's okay. I don't want to, we don't want to stir up something that isn't. But I really felt uh, yesterday, and I told my wife, I told CJ, I really think it's important that we, we, we take action. And we would like to pray. Uh, for those who want to, maybe the, the, I can get the worship team to come up and just play something light. And we'll pray for you guys too. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to ask um, some of those, you probably had already thought about it, that can help us do a, just a prayer of impartation. Okay? I'm not telling you what's going to happen, but you expect. Okay? You expect that God's going to do something. Howard, will you help us? Will you help us? Okay. Yeah. The Lord um, had opened a door for me in, in um, the Capitol with about um, quite a big group of women at a women's conference. And I kept feeling like God was going to do something special in Chiapas. It was a statewide conference, and there was several thousand ladies there. And, and we were we had been in worship, and, and I was almost at the—it was a three-day conference, and I was one of the last speakers. And, and what happened is 
And you never, God is so sovereign. You just don't know why things happen when they happen. But we're trying to pump your faith up here. And what had happened was, as I was teaching and preaching, it was really good. But right at the end, I said the same thing. We want to do an impartation. We want to pray over you. And the presence of God came so powerfully in that meeting. And I told Bill, I started shaking. I, w- I was just shaking. And, and I said that most people were just worshiping. They had their eyes closed and they were praying. And all of a sudden, and I have never done this before. I was like, I was a spectator. And all of a sudden, I just went. <sighs> and I, when I did my hand like that, the women, they weren't watching me. And this whole side fell out. The whole side. They just fell over. They fell over the top of chairs. They fell backwards. It was just a mess. And I went this direction, and the same thing happened on this side of the auditorium. And we went into a place in the Lord over the next couple of hours that was amazing. Amazing. I don't believe there are stars in the kingdom except one. Okay? I believe that the anointing and the power, the supernatural power, the manifestation of God is for everyone. I believe that the Lord is inviting us to partake. We are... I. I um, have a little bit of a prophetic streak in me, and I believe we're coming to a day that we have got to be powerful. We have got to be listening. It is going to be so important to hear what God is saying to us because I believe we're coming to a time that it, your life will depend on your ability to hear God. I believe that God has been giving me dream after dream after dream, and every dream it has been there is a remnant that is listening to the voice of God. There is a remnant that is that is standing in faith, that is walking in power, that is demonstrating the power and the love of God. It's all rooted in love, love and humility, love and humility. And so when when Bill and I were talking about this, we just I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm game. Are you? You know, um, I believe in a miracle working God and I don't, I believe that he keeps using us till the last breath. So if we're 90, like our friend that, that gave us the clinic, he's still moving in the power of God. He's still functioning and loving on the Lord. And I believe for the youngest, we've got little ones in our orphanage that, that pray and see amazing things. We have a 12 year old that is prophesying unbelievably. Um, one of our orphans just got back and she had, she said, mom, they call me forward to pray for the sick. I've never done that before. There was a man, his, his neck was completely uh, frozen over. Blaine Cook had prayed for him. Randy Clark had prayed for him. There had been, um, there had been no manifestation of healing. They saw the presence of God on Isela, our daughter. And they came and got Isela. They put her in front of this man. And Isela's 19. And she said, Mom, I put my hand on him. And I said, be healed in the name of Jesus. And I heard a crack. And he put his head up straight. Um, she came back. She said, Mom, there was gold dust. It was just, it was on our arms. It was, she said, it was the most amazing. They're forever changed. This little girl who's, who's both of her parents died of AIDS. And she was cast aside and rejected by the rest of the family. She ended up in our orphanage at 14. And the Lord is going to use this child in ways that are unbelievable. And so I just want to, if you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed. Okay, so let's do this. Um, we're going to have a, some order. <laughs> I've asked Philip and Helen if they want to help. Um, Mark, you want to help? And we'll pray for you guys too. We'll, we'll interchange prayers, okay? Because we need to receive from you. Amen? Amen. Um, I'm going to ask Howard to help me and CJ. Okay. Stan and Becky, you want to help us? You guys are gifted. We don't know what God's going to impart, but we know that he will. Okay? Del, you guys want to help? Del? Mm-hmm. Come on. Okay. So what we want to do is you guys stand up, and, and if we could just um, sing something kind of, yeah. As they see in Spanish, tranquilo, pues. And let's just start worshiping the Lord. Okay? And if you want, you can start, come up. We'll just, you know, it's not that anybody's special. So just wherever the Lord leads you, come. And we're going to start just laying hands on you and believing God's going to do something. Okay? Okay. 
We might get some help too behind people just in case. Just in case, okay? Lord, we just impart to our brother. Father, in Jesus' name, what we have, God, release it in Chuck. Release it in him, Lord God. In Jesus' name. He's put healing in your hands. In Jesus' name. Believe it. Lord God, right now, Jesus. Bita nine the Kusukurus Trimia Brasha, Brasket Unurmini Ayambu Rosore Miakai, 
Sato ki mi avrusta ni miando rukuri mi haverishe. Selena mandai ritere di be avrusudri mi asantro masai. Braste ti rebori mi avrukuturi mi asai. Disetri mi avrusu. More Lord. More Lord. More Lord. Yes. Ki arrasato rukuroso tri mi Frasa, frasa, frasa tu curi mi ahavra, sidere ni mi ahavra, sidere ni mi ahai. Mrasa te Yes, God. Awaken it, Lord God. Awaken it, God. Stir it up, Jesus. Stir it up, Jesus. Satarase te ribi ahai. Russo corru, sura menasai. Rosso te ribi ahai, cade ni mi Mas, mas. Mas Señor, mas rasa te ribi abrasi te ribi barrosure mi aishai dika te ribi karimi atai ya rasando burrosure mi aishai rasa te ribi indika remiando rukusu rusa te ribi aishai indare mi aisho yandar mana kasi te ribi mi aisho sora mana kadi anda sera mana sai aramakai rora mana si kurrosure mana sai Shira manasi kurosur miniasi, dira manasanto so, yidarama baraste tikiba maya. En el nombre de Jesús, en el nombre de Jesús, recibelo, recibelo. Ta prusa que de mi ayay, sain de emburria si que de mi tercera baracasia de remaya. Proso turbiaya masai, mura bakaya en el enviaso tura maniashe. Yerra manakasia teremiashe tu su. Sire manakaya teremaso. Mrase tiribiambo rusuri miase. Jesus, come Lord God. Come, come. Marsi terebabarshe. More Lord, Holy Spirit, yes. Fill her cup. Fill her cup. We just impart to her right now, Jesus. Oh, that the prophetic would move. Move in her, Lord God. Sarra manakasia teremiashe. More Lord God, more Lord. Atikira mana Santo Rosso, dera mana kaya, dera masi korora mana sai. Rasiki mana nama Santo Rosso, mana shan. Rusa ketir mana sai. Lord, we break it right now. We break every hold in Jesus' name. We come against every attack of the enemy right now. I break it off. I break it off in Jesus' name. Your blood covers all right now. Oh God, let your love come. Let your love come.